0: Thank you, Jordan, for reading our scripture. Don't you like the way he takes command when he gets up here? It's a man that knows what he's doing. All of our young guys do, but I appreciate Jordan. I told him a minute ago, he's got that flashy green tie and I said, you and I need to go into business together. You do the short ties, and I'll do the long ones. But we're glad that you're here tonight. We're thankful for your presence. We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. As we think about the subject of prayer, the songs that we have been singing thus far have reminded us of the blessings associated with prayer. I want to begin tonight by just asking a very simple question. Do you have confidence when you pray? A lot of folks believe in prayer, talk about prayer, spend time in prayer, sadly lack confidence in prayer. I think John in 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 reminds us that we can be confident. As a matter of fact, we ought to be confident when we go to God in prayer. Listen again to what John said beginning in verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Those two verses really stress to us the confidence that we ought to have as we pray to God. Tonight I want us to think for a moment or two about being confident in our prayer life. I want to begin by first calling attention to the place for prayer in life. There is a place for prayer in life. As a matter of fact, for many of us, it would be difficult to get through the day, the week, the month, or the year for that matter, without prayer. Let me just spend a moment or two and talk about the privilege associated with prayer. There are a lot of great spiritual blessings that we enjoy in Christ. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, Paul said that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. When we become a Christian, there are a number of blessings afforded us. And we could talk about the fact that we know our sins are forgiven, that we have pardon from God. And as Paul would say in Philippians chapter 4, we have peace with God. There is the presence of God. There are all of these great blessings that we, that we enjoy in Christ. But one of the greatest blessings is prayer. To know that God listens to our prayers and that He answers those prayers. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter Three at verse 12 the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers think about that for a minute God listens attentively to every syllable of our prayers to know that there is a God in heaven who is willing to listen to us Those of us who belong to the family of God, those of us that are a part of His creation. So it's a great privilege. And there are a lot of passages in the scriptures that talk about the blessings associated with prayer. But I think we need to see it as a great privilege. And we ought to be grateful for that privilege. As a matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 4, when Paul said, "In nothing be anxious, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, And thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In that context, of course, he's talking about going before the throne of God, releasing our anxieties. But he made the notation there that we ought to be thankful. One of the things we ought to be thankful for is the privilege of prayer. But then as we talk about the place for prayer in life, it is a privilege But prayer ought to be a priority. It ought to be something that we see as a necessity. We eat every day. We drink water every day. We view those things as necessities, essentials, and they are. Well, prayer ought to be the same way. Let me suggest that we ought to begin by praying about our day. We ought to pray every day. We ought to begin the day with prayer to God. Do you remember in Mark chapter 1 verse 35 the Bible talks about Jesus rising early in the morning and going out and finding a solitary place. And Mark said, and there he prayed to God. There are not many days that we face in life that shouldn't be accompanied by prayer. You think about all the things that you face during the day. And there are times and needs that arise throughout the day that call for prayer, don't they? And so Jesus is a great example. When I think about prioritizing our prayer life, I look at the life of Jesus and I see somebody that spent a lot of time in prayer to God. I mentioned the fact that we ought to pray about our day, but we ought to also pray about our decisions. Again, let me cite for you the example of Jesus. You remember in Luke, chapter six, in Luke chapter 6, the Bible talks about how Jesus selected those men that would be His apostles, His ambassadors here on earth. And the Bible tells us in verse 12 that prior to selecting those men, do you know what He did? He spent the night... In prayer to God. Now there are a lot of decisions that we make. And I would freely grant that there are some decisions that might not require a lot of thought, a lot of concern, a lot of care. But there are some decisions in life that shouldn't be made lightly. And there are decisions that we ought to enter in and we ought to spend time in prayer to God. Jesus did that. And there are decisions that you're going to make in your life that you may make this week that require prayer. And so I look at the life of Jesus and I see somebody who prayed about his day, who prayed about his decisions, and then I would suggest we also ought to pray about our difficulties. Again, I think about the life of Jesus. You remember when Jesus was faced with the cross? and He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying to God the Father. The Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7, Who in the days of his flesh offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. Unto whom? Unto God. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 22, That in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus being in agony, prayed the more earnestly was he facing a time of duress a time of difficulty absolutely and how did he handle that he prayed to god if jesus is our great example and peter said that he left us an example that we are to follow in his steps don't you think that we ought to face the difficulties of life in prayer to god do you remember when hezekiah was informed by isaiah the prophet that he was going to to die In Isaiah chapter 38, 2 Kings chapter 20, the Bible says that when he heard those words, immediately he turned his face to the wall and prayed to God. So pray about our difficulties. And then I would suggest we ought to pray about our discouragements. You ever get discouraged in life? You ever get down? You ever feel like it's you against the world? You ever feel like throwing in the towel, giving up, walking away? The Bible tells us in Luke 18, verse 1, that Jesus said men ought to always pray. And then here's what he said, and not faint. What he means is we ought to pray and not get discouraged. How do you offset discouragement? One of the ways you offset it is pray to God to go before his throne acknowledge the difficulties the discouragements of life just be very plain spoken god understands god hears and god acknowledges our prayers there's a second thing i want to call attention to as we consider this subject confidence in prayer and that is the prerequisite to prayer in life Listen again to what John said in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of Him. There is a golden example of submission in prayer... In the life of Jesus, isn't there? Let me just call attention. Look with me, if you would, very quickly at Matthew chapter 26. I want you to look at Matthew 26 just very quickly. I mentioned a moment ago the Garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew 26, Matthew gives us the account of Jesus going into the Garden with Peter, James, and John. In verse 36 it says when they came to the place called Gethsemane he said to the disciples sit here while I go and pray over there. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther, fell on his face and prayed, saying, "O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me." Now listen to what he says. "Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will." The whole life of Jesus up until this point had been spent in striving to the best of his ability, and he did it flawlessly had been spent in doing the Father's will. When he began his earthly ministry, it was about doing the will of his Father. In John chapter 4, Jesus said, My work is to do the will of him who sent me. In John 6, verse 38, he said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the Father. In John chapter 17, Jesus said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work. Which you have given me to do. So Jesus had sought to do the Father's will. Here he is, and the shadow of the cross is looming large before him. And he's bowing in prayer to God. He's in sorrow and anguish. And his prayer is if there is any other way that your will can be accomplished, then please let it come to pass. Verse 40. He came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, listen to him, your will be done. Two times, Jesus has very specifically prayed about his impending death. And you think about the weight of the cross that was upon him, and the fact that he was about to bear the sins of the human family. Verse 43 And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Three times Jesus prayed to God the Father. His prayer was simple and yet profound. In the midst of that prayer, what do you see? What stands out the most to you? Submission, doesn't it? His willingness to allow the will of God to take precedence over his own will. Now, here's the hard part. When we talk about prayer and being encouraged to pray, the most difficult aspect of prayer in many cases is allowing the will of God to take precedence over our will, isn't it? Sometimes we think we know what's best. Sometimes, based on the information we have and our thought process, we think. We know what's best. It's very difficult for us sometimes to take the back seat and to just say, Look, your will be done. Why? Because by nature we're not selfless people, are we? Many times we're selfish. The fact of the matter is, on many occasions we want what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. But here's what John said. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, there are three ways God can respond to prayer. God can always say yes. And typically, when God says yes, what happens? We're we're ecstatic, we're grateful. But then there are occasions when God says no. And sometimes when God says no, that's not easy to take, is it? There are times in life when, as I said a moment ago, we think we know what's best. And there are many times in life when we believe that if such and such would work out this way or that way, then that's what would be best. But there are times when God says no. And so what we have to do is step back and realize that God sees the bigger picture. And God knows ultimately what is best. He always knows what's best, doesn't He? How could that be? Well, let me tell you. It's possible because we're talking about an omniscient God. The word omniscient means all-knowing. God knows everything. And God knows whether or not we're equipped to handle certain things. He knows whether or not we're ready for certain things. There might be certain things that we want in life. And we're praying that God would bless us with these things. And God's saying, look, you're not ready for these things. His answer might be no. And then again, His answer might be, here's what you need to do. You need to wait. You ever prayed to God and asked for certain things? And God says, wait. And then over a period of time when that prayer is answered, you realize, you know what? I wasn't ready for what I was asking for. I was nowhere equipped to handle the things that I asked God for. So trusting that God has the ability to discern what we need and what we don't need to discern when we need it, and there are times when we don't need it. And quite frankly, there are occasions in life when there are things that we may want, and God says no, and God never says yes. But it's learning to accept His will. Again, sometimes the most difficult thing to do is to say, you know what, it's not about me, it's not about my will, it's about your will, and allowing your will to come to pass. So, the prerequisite to prayer. There's a third thing I want to share with you. It has to do with the provisions of prayer. I said just a moment ago that prayer is a tremendous privilege. And Peter tells us how privileged we are to know that God in heaven listens to our prayers and that He answers those prayers. But I want you to think about this. First of all, we have the assurance that God hears our prayers, doesn't He? That's what John said. Listen again to what he said. This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, here's what He said, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Two times, two verses, John said, look, God hears us, doesn't He? It's a great blessing. Peter said, again, the eyes of the Lord over the righteous, His ears are open to their prayers. So God listens to our prayers. Here's something to think about. God is attentive to our prayers. We need to understand that God wants, and I I would stress this, God wants us to pray to Him. He desires our prayers. He covets them. He delights in them. As a matter of fact, Solomon said the prayer of the upright is his delight. That's found in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 8. Now you think about here you are praying in Olive Branch, Mississippi to a God that created the heavens and the earth. And here is God in heaven who is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, and God delights to hear from you. What's that say? It says that in the eyes of God, you are significant. You are a somebody. There are a lot of people in our world today, they feel like they're a nobody. And they have this idea that nobody cares about them and nobody thinks anything about them. And nobody ever wants to hear from them. Well, let me tell you what, if you're a child of God, God wants to hear from you. And God delights In hearing from you. He wants to hear from us. As a parent. Do you want to hear from your children? Can you imagine a parent. Never wanting to hear from their children. I think about our graduates. Ten graduates. And they're going to be leaving. Going away to school. And I can can promise you. they are going to be mamas and daddies. That want to hear from their children. Why is that? Because there is this bond. There's this bond that ties a mother and father, a son and a daughter together. and That bond is strong. Well, God wants to hear from us. So I think about the fact that God hears our prayers. As a matter of fact, I mentioned a moment ago Hezekiah. In Isaiah chapter 38, when Hezekiah was informed by God, That he had a sickness and that sickness would lead to death. The Bible says immediately he prayed to God in heaven. And here's what God said God sent word back through Isaiah the prophet. And he said, I have heard your prayers. Think about that. Hezekiah is facing death. And God said, Look, I've heard your prayers and I have seen your tears. Does God care? Yes, He does. Is God there? Absolutely. So yes, He hears our prayers, and then secondly, God helps us through prayer, doesn't He? In Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 16, the Hebrew writer said, Let us therefore draw boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I would encourage you to look at that word boldly in Hebrews 4.16. It carries with it the idea of approaching the throne of God with confidence, with assurance. Some translations might say approaching the throne of God fearlessly. What, what's the writer saying? He's saying that when we stand before the throne of God, we ought to have absolute confidence. That we're standing in the presence of a God in heaven that has the ability to come to our aid. Remember what he said? That you may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You ever face times of need in life? You ever get to a point and you think, I don't know who I can call. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. Could I suggest there is someone you can turn to? And that someone is God in heaven. The psalmist said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. He asked this question, from whence comes my help? And he said, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look, if God in heaven had the ability, the power to create the heavens and the earth, then surely he can help me. And I think that's, that's the picture. And we need to understand that God has the ability to help us. I mentioned a moment ago the parent-child relationship. If your children have a problem as a parent, do you want them to come to you? If your son or daughter has a problem and that problem has overwhelmed them and they don't know what to do, they don't know where to turn, they don't know how to, how to resolve this problem, would you want them to come to you? Would you want them to have enough confidence in you to sit down and say, look, here's, here's, here's the problem. I don't know what to do, but I trust you. Would you want them to do that? Listen, as a parent, we want to help our children. We want to hear from them, and we, we will do our dead-level best to help them, won't we? Now, you think about God in heaven. And God in heaven has the ability to hear every prayer. And He is our Father, isn't He? And We're His children. So just like an earthly parent wants to hear from his children or her children so that they can help, God in heaven is saying, look, you're my child. I want to hear from you. I want to help you. Turn very quickly to Matthew chapter 7. I want to close looking at Matthew 7 just very quickly. I want you to see something here because I think it's very important. Sometimes we read passages of Scripture and we blow through them and never really pause to think about the significance of what is being said. In verse 7 of Matthew 7, Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. Then he asked this question, What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Now listen to him in verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, now listen, How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Is God equipped to help? Will He help? You better believe it. You better believe there is a God in heaven who will help you. We just need to trust Him. One thing that I should have mentioned a moment ago and I didn't. When we we talk about the priority of prayer, I did mention Hezekiah. And I was talking about some things that we ought to pray about. It just occurred to me that we ought to pray about death and dying. I know there are a lot of people in the world, they don't want to hear about death and they don't want to hear about dying. And and look, I get it. No one likes to be confronted with his or her mortality. This afternoon when we visited with Stu and his mother and his mother is for all intents and purposes in her final hours and we talked about talked about some of the things that they had been through together and of course in his mind his question is have I done everything that I need to do have I I done enough and the answer to that's yes. But you know, there is a time and place for prayer when facing death. And as a child of God, we have the opportunity to pray that we'll have a peaceful hour to pass from this life. And so when we when well before we left today, you know what we prayed? Sister Tuttle would have a peaceful hour to pass from this life. That's the beauty of prayer. And I believe God will answer those prayers. So if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, and is not a part of your life, I want to encourage you to come to Christ, who will bless you with all spiritual blessings, one of which is prayer. Here's what you need to do. Hear the gospel and believe it with all your heart. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John eight twenty four. Be willing to turn from a life of sin through repentance, Luke 13, 3. Confess the name of Jesus before others, Matthew 10, 32. Be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. And then be faithful. And the assurance is the crown of life, Revelation two ten. If you're here tonight and you're not what you ought to be, and I might just add this, it may be the case that You don't have sin in your life, and you don't need to be restored or anything like that. But You just need the prayers of the church. Look, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. That's what we're here for. Why? Because we're a family. The Bible says that prayer is a great blessing. And we would be happy to pray with you and for you tonight, whatever your need may be, as we stand and sing.